Greetings. Hello, Mark. Good morning. Good morning, Devash. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Awesome. Uh, and can you hear me properly? Can you see me properly? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. That's, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. Uh, I know it's early morning today. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Oh, that's, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. We just wait for a couple of more minutes so, uh, so that more and more people can join us. Sure. And then, yes. And until then, I would like to tell our viewers that today uh, the topic of discussion is the art of personal training, the business of personal training. That is the most important aspect of, I think, any business. So Mark is an expert in that, and he's also authored uh, the book, The Business of Personal Training, and that's the reason he's here to discuss about that and a few strategies for you to improve your uh, fitness business or any personal training business. I also have invited a few uh, physical therapists um, who I feel, you know, are, are feel sort of um, uh, coincide or, you know, like sort of overlap. So I think they'll benefit too from this talk. And hello, Sumit, Dave. Awesome. So... So first of all, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. I've been uh, following your posts and your, uh, I saw that your book got released recently. Uh, it's not yet available in India, but I look forward to uh, buying it soon. Uh, I know that you have been in the fitness industry for the past 40 years. And that's, that's right. a long time. Yes, <laughs> you don't look old at all. You're yeah, still yeah. young. <laughs> and um, it's, it's a long time uh, to commit to an industry, and that's the reason we are here to listen to you. I know you played various roles in the fitness industry, and you also... So I was going through your book, and you have given wonderful descriptions as to, you know, what aspect is into what field. So, you know, working in a gym as compared to working uh, as a personal trainer, freelancer, or being self-employed. Uh, and uh, you are the owner of Jiva Fitness in Eastern yes. Pennsylvania? Yes. Awesome, yeah. So, uh, so could you please tell us something briefly about yourself and your success journey until now? Uh, sure. The, you know, uh, it, I have been at this. I've been both a health club manager and a uh, personal trainer for 40 years. And the, it, it, that is a long time for anybody because back in when I first started off, it really wasn't considered much of a profession, which is why they yeah. sort of went hand in hand. You know, you're managing and doing some personal training, but as a personal trainer in itself, you know, you were, you didn't, that was not a career. So mm -hmm. there weren't, you, you had to sort of figure the whole thing out as you went and, uh, and, you know, people will ask, well, who are my mentors back then? And they're going, well, there really wasn't anybody else. You know, there were very few people, uh, right. you know, so it was, it, it really was try to feel it out. But the love of the industry, the love of the capability of being able to change people's lives has kept me interested in the whole field. Uh, but also the, you know, I've been also teaching trainers because, again, you know, it was a new profession. Uh, you know, and I was in on the beginning, you know, ages of it. And, you know, I was, I probably had more, more experience than most. So mm -hmm. that I wanted to also share that information with personal trainers. And I've been training personal trainers almost as long, probably for 38 of those years. 
Uh, and, you know, and as far as the rest of my career, you know, everything I've, in general, and this is every profession you mentioned, you know, does it pertain to other professions? And, and business, of course, does. But also, so does, do I sit back and do my job? Or do I always look to get better, learn more, and, and continue to grow? And, mm-hmm. you know, my, the big thing for me was always I've never, I never know enough. I, I have to keep learning. I have, you know, even 40 years later, I, you know, attend conferences every year. I read as much as I can. So you never mm-hmm. stop learning. And, mm-hmm. in, you know, as I learn, I try to share that information, too. And that's really my whole career right there. Wow. I, I completely agree with you when it comes to the learning part, because our industry is so dynamic that every day a different research comes up. And, you know, what you learned just a few years ago might be a little different now. So you just need to keep yourself updated with. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you say, the, the information changes, you know, on a daily basis. So right. if you sit back on your laurels, and, you know, I had one trainer who worked for me that that uh, was very, I've been training for 20 years, but he hadn't actually read anything or learned anything in those 20 years. So he was, there were people who, you know, have been training for one or two years and had much better view of the current science. Than, right. you know, so it's not how long you do it. It's that constant upgrade, that constant learning that keeps you on top of your game. Right, right. I agree with that. And uh, I, I know that you have a lot of certifications attached to your name. So what's up with that? I mean, how did you attain so many certifications? <laughs> yeah, what is up with that? Uh, the, honestly, I was in a position uh, where I was working for a large health club chain uh, as a curriculums coordinator. Uh, so I wrote the in-house curriculum for uh, personal trainers, you know, for their education. And I also wanted to be in a position to recommend certifications, which certifications should you have, you know, which ones are the good ones, which are the ones that you shouldn't bother with. And so in that whole process, I took a lot of certification exams and, you know, to figure out which ones are worthwhile, which ones are not. Uh, But also, you know, it's the certifications are also a way of learning. You know, I, the U S United States weightlifting association uh, Mm -hmm. was a great way for me to learn the Olympic weightlifting skills. You know, mm-hmm. so that I can then pass those on. So there are specialty certifications where I just wanted that knowledge. You know, right. you know, I don't. I do some. You know, occasion. I have through the years. I have trained some athletes, but that's not my f- focus. So, mm-hmm. how much did I really need to, you know, be certified as a, a weightlifting coach? Not so much. You know, but it was mostly just my self knowledge and just making. You know, trying to make sure I understood everything. And the certification is just a benchmark. You know. So I mean, yeah. it, 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 the interesting thing about certifications is that trainers think that, you know, that that'll impress your clients mm-hmm. and they have no idea what any of them mean. So it's, it's more to impress your, your colleagues you know, than it is to, you know, impress the, the lay person. Lay person doesn't care as long as you're, you, they know, like, and trust you and you take, you get them results. They don't, they don't care so much. Right. Oh, I completely agree with that. Um, and, and this brings me to another question. Uh, what actually got you interested in uh, fitness and personal training? What was your journey to get into that? Well, actually, in college, I started out as a chemistry major. And I was, I was very 
disenchanted with the, the collegiate program. So I went to what was next, my next favorite. I was a, a high school and college athlete. And, uh, I, you know, so that whole idea of athletics and training, uh, back in those days, they didn't have an exercise science program. So my, my degree is actually in physical education slash kinesiology. Okay. Uh, but I never, I never wanted to actually teach physical education. In mm -hmm. the United, United States, certainly, I don't know what it's like in India, but in the United States, it is not, it has never been, and again, I've been doing this for 40 years, in all those 40 years, it has never been respected as a real curriculum item. You know, they would cut it out, you know, at first, you know, our, okay, our funding is being cut, we cut out the arts, we cut out physical, physical education, you know, mm -hmm. so, so I, that is not a fight I wanted to have on a, you know, for, for 40 years. Uh, so I wanted to go to the private sector. And, and what got me into it, I was working at an exercise physiology laboratory at the university. And uh, I was teaching cardiac rehab classes. And okay. the, I was working with one woman in particular. And, and I, I like to think her name was Mary, but it's 40 years and I don't know. Uh, but the, I, you know, I started working with her. She was just post uh, heart attack. And, you know, so she, we were walking around, you know, with, with a group of people, we were just walking around the gym doing some stretching movements. And that was kind of the extent of the whole thing. Six months later, she, you know, approaches me and, and says, you know, I was thinking about getting an exercise bike for my home. Does that sound like a good idea? And this is a 73 year old woman, again, post MI. And, uh, I, I was like, yes, yes, cool. She's come all this way. She wants an exercise bike on her own. She's taking initiative. Uh, that was super. About another six months into it, she pulls me aside and goes, you know, I never learned how to swim, you know, when I was a, a youth. You know, what do you think about taking swimming lessons? And, you know, you just sit there and just go, I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. And honestly, that, that, was the point where you realize how much you can change people's lives at any age. And uh, so I was, I was sold on that and have always worked, you know, at health clubs, uh, you know, and as a personal trainer. So that's, that's kind of how I got into it. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, so I think fitness is a field where you really need to be motivated from within and only then you can change people's lives. You can't just enter just to make money. It's just not like right. Yeah, and that's, that tells you who's going to, if it's going to be a career or it's a job to them. Right, you know, If you're right. in it for the money, it's a job. You're, you're not, you know, as Simon Sinek says, I don't know if you have a book, uh, but, but start with why. And mm -hmm. the, the idea of what is your why, well, if you're here to help people, you know, then, then you have that internal that, that self-motivation and you have the desire to, continue to work at this and, and you recognize how much you can help people. And that's what really feeds you, you know, you know, um, you know or if I, if I know the business end of things too, I might've made more money in the industry, but the, you know, back then it was nothing but, you know, give them everything you got, you know, and, and it wasn't, it, that's what it was about, you know, helping people. It's, it still is about helping people, but now we find ways of making money too. Yes. So uh, what you asked me about India, yes, uh, is the same in India. So India is a little behind when it comes to exercise science as compared to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so just recently in Mumbai, after so many years, just four years ago, a university started offering a full-time uh, bachelor's course in exercise science. 
That's great. That's one of the three unit three or four universities in India that's doing wow. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's still improving here, but I think it'll get there. But but uh, again, how you said before, uh, the funding for that department, I think it's one of the least given. So sure. It's, yeah. Yeah. And um, so. Do you think every personal trainer needs to have a niche or a target client, or can they train anyone and everyone? They they really do need to have a niche. Uh, the oh. and it is, you know, maybe maybe you know I, I've discussed this a lot with different people, and and you know they'll debate, you know, but you can you can train in, you know, it's like my my certifications in all these different areas. I could I could train anybody. You know, for the most right. part. Um, but if I say I can train anybody, I'm exactly like everybody else there who says I can train everybody. And <laughs> in saying that, I become this part of the sea of trainers who do everything. <laughs> if, you, if you choose a niche, like what my wife and I do at our, our studio, is we are specialists at post-rehabilitation, and working with people who have physical issues and people who are who, the, the other part, population of people who are intimidated to start a program, okay. you know? So while I can train high end athletes, that's, that's not my niche. You know, mm -hmm. I can, I can point to other people who do that better than I do, even though I could do it, but I don't advertise that, you know, uh, what we market is, our ability to help people who are having difficulty getting started and or and or difficulty moving, you know, mm -hmm. having phys physical issues. So that's who we market to. And now, if I having chosen that niche, and somebody's you know just trying to think about starting is very intimidated or has some physical issues, they're not looking at the sea of I can do everything. They're looking at oh, this person has what I need. Right. So. I will, we will stand out as that, to that market, you know, as mm -hmm. opposed to being just, a, again, in that sea of it, I can do everything, then you're just, it, you know, then it becomes about price. You know, whoever's mm -hmm. cheapest, I'll go with that because they all do the same thing. But if you're a specialist, you know, mm -hmm. not only do you stand out, but then getting into the business aspect, you can typically charge more because, mm -hmm. you know, just like you're a specialist in the medical field, you know, if you go to somebody who this is all they do, you typically, you know, you'll get better results, but you'll also expect to pay a little bit more. True, true. I agree with that. And uh, I think that answers the next question that I had, but I'll still ask it. Uh, <laughs> uh, how do you think can uh, personal trainers or fitness professionals get more clientele and make more money and charge according to their expectations and capabilities? Well, the... the you know, and this gets into the business end of things. Uh, I mean, yes, certainly having a niche, but then you have to, you have to let the people in your target market know that mm -hmm. you exist. You know, so right. here, become, here comes your marketing. Um, you have to let them know that you exist and you have to engage with them. You know, a lot of people will run ads and, you know, it, it's all about, okay, sign up for this. I got this going. So you sign up for this and people get spammed with that. And the first thing you have to do in getting more clients is create relationships with those clients. So mm -hmm. you have to, you know, personally, of course, we're in the middle of, uh, you know, lockdown with COVID-19. Yes. And 
probably, you know, for us in Eastern Pennsylvania, we have another month, month and a half, two months before we are able to open again. Mm-hmm. My first go-to when I talk about marketing is to get out in public and go to all the, the networking events, go to, go to any place you will meet your target market. If my target market was uh, youth athletes, maybe I joined the booster club of the high school, you know, fitness pro- uh, uh, athletics program, you know, get to know the parents, you know, uh, offer help, offer it, you know, if they, if they ask, offer advice. You know, it, the idea is to give to them till they come to know, like, and trust you because people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Sure. So before you sit there and hit them up with, you know, buy this, buy that, uh, mm-hmm. you, they have to get to know you and you them and know what their issues are. Uh, so my first go-to is, is, you know, as you're marketing is go, if you're able to go to groups now, uh, get out into the community and, you know, get to know your target market. If you're, you know, like we during our lockdown, okay, well, we get into social media and you still have to do the same thing. You can't just run ads. You have to ap- approach groups, join groups that, that serve your target market. You know, if you, again, if you have a, uh, you know, if you want to work in, the, in let's actually, let's just say a, uh, post rehab, I wanted to, you know, if I want to get into that, I want to start to look at what, what physical therapists I know, uh, get into, you know, discussions with them, doctors, you know, whatever I can, I want to start to engage the people who refer as well as, as the, you know, if I, you know, your general population of, you can approach them and go, you know, is, you know, is anybody having issues here? And I'm just wondering what you're doing, asking questions of people who are maybe challenged or, you know, uh, I j- just recently asked, you know, we've been locked down for a month and a half. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just was just asking the general population who's, you know, who's got the figured out what they're doing and how many of you are just sitting back and, you know, just sort of waiting to restart when the whole thing's over. And got into some good discussions with people about, you know, what they're doing. And, and my, my, it was an opportunity to praise them, the people who are doing well, to ask questions of others. And, you know, the people who are really came out and said, I really need help. Well, then I, I you know, can directly message them and, and talk about possible solutions. But it mm-hmm. really was, it was a chance for people to air what they were feeling doing. And mm-hmm. so you look for those opportunities to connect first before you market. Uh, the mm-hmm. original question was, is how do we get more clients and uh, mm-hmm. charge what we want to charge? Yes. I'll, I'm going to jump into the charge. What you you know want to get is that's a huge psychological barrier for many. And mm-hmm. it's mostly a lot of personal trainers have trouble charging what they think they are worth. Mm-hmm. Well, actually that's not true. What they, they have a tough time, charging what they should be charging right and oftentimes it's because they don't understand the value of their their service Uh you know they will look they will look at it like uh you know it's i remember when i was starting off i was training personal trainers from scratch you know these are the people who worked at the, the health club as front desk or something like that and this is this literally is maybe 35 years ago um and uh, so I trained them and then they, 
you know, the business wasn't organized. So people would just go out on the training floor and charge what they wanted to charge. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. run. It was like independent contractors. They, they just, it wasn't managed in that way by the, by the club. And I realized that people I was charging that, that were, I was training from scratch were charging more than I was and getting it. And I, you have to sit back and kind of go, what's that about? How come I'm not getting the top dollar? Well, I was basing that on my perception of, well, getting fit is not that hard, you know, mm-hmm. it's because I've, I've never not been, you know, I mean, I started besides just playing, you know, in fourth mm-hmm. grade, I started, uh, I started organized sports and mm-hmm. played sports all my life. So, you know, that getting in shape, well, it's just working out. It's just doing this. And, and that just, you know, was in the back of my head. And as soon as, you know, we don't, that is our perception of it, not yeah. our, their perception of it. Other people don't have that kind of background and don't understand. And this is such a valuable service that yeah. sometimes we don't get it. We think that if we charge, you know, any, you know, back then it was ridiculously low, but if, you know, even if we are charging, you know, I, I know people who charge up to $300 a session and, oh. and, you know, I would ask him, like, well, how do you, how do you, how, how do you believe that that's worth it? And he, right. he, you know, and the answer really was, is just going, I changed their lives. And how much is it worth to have your life back and to be able to do the things you never imagined you'd still be able to do? You know, I'll talk right. to people who are uh, hitting their forties and they're just going, I'd be happy if I could just climb these stairs without getting winded. Mm-hmm. Well, how long do you going to, are you going to live and what kind of quality of life is the next 40, 50 years going to be. So if you give them that, what is it worth to have 40, 50 years of being physically capable and, and, you know, uh, able to do what you want to do more than just, you know, walk up the stairs without being winded. You know, they they don't even realize the potential of that, but the value is huge. So if you, they want to charge $300 super, I mean, but you know, the average is, somewhere between 35 and and 100, you know, depending on the trainer, depending on all that. But it becomes, you know, what can you charge? Well, what do you believe you are worth? What is this service worth to them? Not to you, Hmm. to them. Okay. You know, and you you look at that. Of course, you know, demographics makes plays into it too. If you're particularly working with disenfranchised and, and, you know, people who who really need this but can't afford anything, well, then your prices will vary, you know, or you'll, or you'll regroup. And this is, you know, so if I have people who can't afford more than $10 a session, well, I can't make a living on $10 a session. And, and so maybe there are other ways of, of handling that. Maybe that's the small group training where I can get five, 10 people together. And then it becomes more worthwhile for me to do from a financial standpoint. And also, from that emotional, you know, I am serving and I am doing and I'm giving them something wonderful. So your pricing really, there's a lot of variability in that, but you have to make a living and you have to realize the value of it. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably talk that to death, but. No, 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 that was perfect. And uh, uh, actually that was another question that I had that you talked about. Um, what do you think is better, personal training or engaging in small group training or not like large group training. What is more monetizable? Well, uh, which is more profitable? Yes, yes. Well, you know, the idea of it, it depends on how you handle it, too. There are a lot okay. of clubs that, you know, when you do group fitness, group fitness becomes 
uh, part of your membership. Mm -hmm. And it, and you know, so that becomes an, you know, how much value is perceived for that class uh, by the members. Well, it's part of the membership, so it, you know, it doesn't have as much monetary value to it. And the, the people who teach those group fitness classes typically don't get a, you know, they're not big money for that hour or whatever they're teaching it. If you're in uh, a studio where you're, or you're in a, a place where you're charging per class, or mm -hmm. for, you know, that's, that's a separate product. Um, it is, it, it, well, this, this depends on who's, who's running the show. You know, mm -hmm. some, some clubs, most clubs will pay you a set fee for the instructor to teach that, uh, a okay. large group fitness class. I taught a, uh, when I was managing, uh, it was a fitness director for a club just before we opened our own place. Uh, I would teach a boot camp that had anywhere from 60 to 80 people in it. Wow. Uh, and I still made very little doing it. I enjoyed doing it a lot, which is why I did it. And it was good for the program of which, you know, I was in charge of the programming of the whole thing. But had I been not working for the club, and if I had even charged a dollar per person, you know, I'm making 60 to $80 for the hour, which is not yes. bad. But so... It has the potential, large group fitness has the potential to make money if it's a sort of a per head charge that you can do. I know people who run boot camps and, you know, it, it may be anywhere from five to $15 per class. And, but they, they are their own business. So if they have 50 people, that's a lot of money. Mm. So it has the potential of being very good. Uh, and it's, it's a lot more money typically for, your hour that you're spending doing that, you know, right. versus the pers personal training and mm -hmm. small group, the same kind of idea, small group, you would pay more because you get more personal attention than the large mm -hmm. group. And so people pay more, but you, you, and you don't have as many people, but you can still that multiple of how many people do you have? And, you know, if, you, if your small groups go up to 10 people, and if you have 10 people who are paying $25, you know, a session, well, okay, yeah. $250 for that hour or whatever time right. that is, that's good money. And it's rare that the person who's doing just one-on-one -on -one personal training will make that $250 per hour. And again, mm -hmm. I, you know, we're, we're somewhere between 35 and 100, you know, uh, as an average. I think actually the yeah. average in the United States is, I think it was 55 last I looked, you know, for mm -hmm. personal training session. The, uh, and then personal training, you know, as I said, you know, you'll make – any any range in there they sh the the clients will pay more for that because that's the most personal attention it's the most personal programming you know you're you're right there with them the whole time so the, you know their your eyes are on them and uh that kind of attention does should get more uh should get you know for one person they should be paying more but again the, the i know clubs studios who have changed completely have moved completely away from the one-on-one -on -one into the group okay. thing because it's more profitable. Mm. Um, and, and it can be, but you know, it, like my wife and I, I mean, we're, we're specializing in uh, people with, with challenges mm -hmm. that we, you know, that's in a, it's less appropriate to have, you know, larger groups of the, that, cause you just can't give them the attention they need. You know, they need really, you know, hands on yes. looking at, you know, right there with them the whole time. So you make your choices about which 
kinds of group you'd go with. The larger the group, the greater the potential, certainly, mm -hmm. if, it's a, if it's a per head paying kind of uh, scenario. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it makes even more sense for a place like Mumbai, because we have uh, the population of Mumbai is about 30 million. Yeah. So it's a huge city, a lot of people. Of course, there is like a, a difference in the poor and the middle class and the rich class. But then if a person wants to go into a group fitness, then I think they can make a lot of money if they, you know, if they have a lot of people in their class. And it's possible. Right. It's yeah. Tough to find people. Yeah. So that makes sense. And uh, so there are a lot of professionals who have direct knowledge and uh, have the expertise within. But when it comes to conveying it to their clients, they fail really bad. And that's why the client goes to another person who is not as knowledgeable, but can maybe talk better or explain things better. So how, how can this be taken care of? Uh, it, it's great that you bring that up because one of my earlier experiences uh, managing a, 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 where acting as a fitness director uh, was that I came into this club that already had trainers and mm -hmm. one of their trainers had uh, a bachelor's degree in exercise science, had a master's degree in exercise science, had two major certifications, so highly qualified, highly knowledgeable, could not get a client for himself. Oh. And yeah, so it's, and you know, it, part of it is that perception of people don't want to be seen. I mean, it's, it's, it boils down to that we're here to help people and a lot of trainers feel like we can't charge large, large, you know, big money because, you know, it's about helping. It's not about us making money. And because of that, they don't know how to sell that. They don't know how to sell personal training. They don't know how to sell themselves. And, you know, he, he actually ended up leaving the field because he just couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to do it. And it was, it was, partly my fault because it was prior to me getting a real handle on uh, the business end of things. You know, so it was probably, uh, it was probably, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. Uh, but it, it stands out in my mind because that was a perfect example of somebody who knew, knew his stuff, could do this, you know, could train the people, get results, all that stuff. If he only had the ability to get clients. And of course, if you can't get you can't get the clients, you you can't make it happen. Yeah. Uh, the you know so there's a there's a perception uh, or a paradigm shift that trainers need to wrap their minds around, and it really is is that we're not selling them to you know this is kind of why we're doing it. We're not selling them to to take their money. We're selling to them to change their lives. We are the best opportunity for them to live a healthier life. You know, right. we, are, we are the key for them. We have that ability to change their lives for the better. And that's a service that, first off, people are willing to pay. But, you know, it's we are giving them the opportunity to make that change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that I've, I will talk to trainers about is you really the sales process is simply asking if they're interested in 
in a program that you, let me back up a little bit the you know when you, you always go through an initial consultation you'd go through a medical health history you, you get to know the, the the challenges of this individual and you come up with a plan when you learn all that information you come up with a plan and you make a recommendation my best recommendation for you is you know Maybe it is that we get together three times a week and we, you know, we work on these things and, you know, you said you, you get bored easily and we'll make sure that we change the program frequently enough to keep you interested, uh, you know, and whatever those challenges are, you, you give them the solution to it. And then at the end of the whole thing is, how does that sound to you? Does that sound like something you're interested in? Mm -hmm. If they're interested in, then the monetary exchange is just, you know, something at the end of the, the whole thing. Are they interested in what you can offer them? Mm. You know, and, and I always use that as a, as a phrase, you know, go make a recommendation mm. and essentially ask if it, that is interesting to them. You know, that's the sales process. And you're not, you're not trying to sell them something that they don't need or want. You're trying to give them what they're looking. So, you know, uh, if I were selling them something that, you know, if somebody it's like when I was doing a consultation with somebody who really had their stuff down, knew what they were doing, said, great, rock on. If I can be any help, let me know. You know, I didn't even try to sell them because mm -hmm. they, they, they had their stuff. They, they knew what they were doing. That sounds like a great program. It sounds like you're really doing a really good job. They've been seeing results. Super. You know, I'll check back with you in a couple of weeks and, and just see how you're integrating here at this club. And, uh, and, you know, if, if I find they're failing, then I'll, we'd go on and make a recommendation. But mm -hmm. the, you know, don't try to sell people who don't need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that way, I mean, that way there's no, I'm, I'm not doing something underhanded. I'm not, I'm not slipping something by them just to make money. Mm -hmm. I, am, I am giving them exactly what they need and want. Uh, okay. And I make that proposal to them. That's the difference between having the skills, you know, having all the skills and the inability to get clients is really your ability to explain the program that you're proposing to them and then mm -hmm. just simply asking them if that, you, you know, is that something you'd like to be part of? Right. Oh, that's, that's uh, an awesome question. Yeah. It's, um, so, so I, I, I can totally relate to this because, um, Post my graduation, like, I mean, before I graduated with a master's in uh, kinesiology, I was in Ohio. So uh, I applied for a lot of jobs. And a uh, few jobs were personal training as well. So the first thing that on the, on the phone that the interviewer asked me is that, are you used to marketing? Are you used to sales? And then uh, I was like, no, I've never done it before. He's like, not even once. I was like, no. And then uh, I didn't get that job. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least they're asking that question now because, you know, in the old days, I mean, nobody even thought about marketing, you know, like that. And personal trainers never had that skill. Now there are a right. lot of conferences. I mean, I just got through a conference uh, this last weekend uh, that was really the business of, of studios, you know, and, mm -hmm. and this, one, this one was particularly how are we going to handle, you know, reopening after COVID-19. You know, it has mm -hmm. a lot of different things, but it, it entails marketing and everything else. So the idea of business, understanding business now, is now better accepted than mm -hmm. it used to be. I mean, you know, I remember 
I mean, when I was, I was uh, curriculum's coordinator for this uh, organization and wrote the in-house program for them. And at one point, the, the manager of the program, you know, came to me and said, I want you to integrate a sales uh, uh, chapter portion of, you know, for this certification we were doing. And I was just like, oh, God, I hate sales. I don't want to, oh, ugh. And that's because I had a really bad sales ex training experience at one of my first, actually, yeah, one of the first clubs I worked at in Boston. And uh, they had a, you know, it was back in the hard sell. They were really trying to sell. They were, it was, they were all about the money and not about the person. They were trying okay. to sell memberships and have people not come so <clears> that <throat> they could just keep selling memberships and they'd never be too crowded because they just keep selling, you know, uh, which is completely anti what I believed in. So I, I had this horrible sales is awful thing. Mm. But this manager said to me that, you know, you're, I, I don't know why you're, you know, so uh, that this upsets you so much. You're the biggest salesperson I know. Mm. And it was when I started to realize that sales is not about getting money. Sales is about your enthusiasm and belief in changing people's lives. And that, that enthusiasm, that, that ability is uh, what will carry trainers through. But now, I mean, also understanding the business aspect and how that all works is very important. The marketing aspect, understanding your venues and uh, that you can market in. Uh, so I, I certainly recommend any, any fitness business. Actually, you know, you know, I wrote the book, you know, the business personal training after having also read probably a hundred different books on business in general. Right. Uh, so it's not just fitness business. It's, it's business. It's marketing in general, looking at those things and then just translating that into how does that work in the fitness field? Mm. You know, so I, when I say learn about that, I mean, it's, it's not just learning, you know, because there aren't that many fitness business books out there. Uh, mm. So it's not just that. It's go to the regular business books and look for the ones that, you know, people who do online marketing do do uh you know all that kind of uh well marketing in general i, I guess uh all mm -hmm. that stuff and just go to them because they're the specialists in every field you know and mm -hmm. then we just we just manage to work that into ours and see how that will you know play out in ours true true and uh, and this brings us to how to acquire clients but how about uh, once you acquire the client and you're working with them and you're happy with them and you want to retain them for a long time, like maybe forever? Because uh, I know I've, I've seen a lot of trainers. Uh, I've been through that uh, sometimes. Uh, I start off with the client and then, you know, because of some issues or because their motivation going down or because they become busy, they stop training. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge cycle to get back uh, into and searching for another client and then starting all over again. So, the relationship breaks, the whole momentum breaks. So what, what can we do for that? Well, there are a couple things that come up when you, you ask that question. One of them is, is you never stop marketing, you never stop looking for another client. And it's, it's always better to have a waiting list than, oh, you, yeah. know, there, you know, there is a natural ebb and flow to the whole thing. People, you know, uh, I've had, you know, companies where I, I've trained, you know, four executives in a company. And then the company changed headquarters and I lost four clients in one fell swoop, which mm -hmm. four clients, maybe two or three times a week. That's a lot of sessions in a week, all of a sudden, poof, gone. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're not continually looking for that next client, you don't have any backup. You don't have, you know, somebody to where to go. So you never stop that. Uh, but main, retaining your clients, uh, other than that, a huge part of that is, a, is that we need to not just be the dictators of the program. Okay, we've got mm -hmm. them. Uh, here's their program. I'm just going to push them. Da, 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 just keep, you know, doing my thing with them. Well, you have to involve them in the program. It, it's actually interesting because I've, my latest search and learning has been what they call motivational interviewing. And mot motivational interviewing is really getting them to initiate what they're ready to do and, and how, you know, what's the next step. So I'm not dictating this to them. I'm involving them in the conversation. And, you know, we can do a collaborative, okay, here's the direction we're going. But trainers don't typically do enough of that. We're very much, uh, you know, you want to get from point A to point B. This is the plan, and we'll stick with this forever. Well, you know, that may or may not work. You know, you, you, got, you constantly have to be talking to your client. Uh, usually after two weeks of working with a client, I'll, I'll stop and, and say, well, how is this going for you? You know, I'll say, I, I see gains being made. I see changes being made. You're getting stronger here. This is looking better. But, but how does this feel to you? Does this feel like we're, we're on track with what you're trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so continually keep them in the loop. You know, ask them, is this what you want? You're going, and I've had clients say, you know, I, I love all this, but I really hate this exercise. Can we please find something else? Mm -hmm. well, so they were, they were kind of dreading this one thing. And if I, if I ask and they tell me that this is the case and I swap that out, they're going to feel so much better. Stick with me much longer. I listen to them. I care about what they feel. It's not just me ramming this program down their throat. So having them continually in the conversation uh, is a way to continue to have your, your clients. You know, I've had clients 12 years, you know, and uh, actually the one, the one I had for 12 years only, only stopped working with me because I moved. Uh, but, you know, you, you have clients, you can have clients for a long time. I know I have a trainer friend who uh, I know that he's worked with some people for decades, you know, literally 20 plus years. Uh, and, but you, you can't just run that same play. You have mm -hmm. to keep them, keep them involved, keep them engaged. What's next? How do you feel about this? Let's go for a challenge. What do you think would be good, you know, next step for you? You know, what would make, make sense for you? What would make you excited? Okay. So, so I guess, you know, for retaining your, your clients is, is ultimately keep them involved in the whole conversation, keep them involved in the loop, help let them help guide, you know, parts of this, you know, mm -hmm. ultimately we, we decide whether it's, it's going to do anything for them or not. And if it's appropriate or not. Uh, but, but, you know, more often than not, they know they have a good idea of what they should be doing. You know, so let them help make those choices and they'll have greater buy-in and greater longevity as a client. Mm -hmm. That's true. This is one thing that I have noticed about uh, personal trainers in Mumbai. Uh, some of them are really strict with their approach, with their clients. Yeah. And they just, they just push them so much. And when the client sort of questions them, they just kind of shut them up. They're like, I know everything. You don't know anything. Just follow my plan and you'll be fine. And then it results into just breaking the relation and then 
the client at the end gets angry and just leaves them and then they're just confused as to what happened and then well, they're like yeah you know, one one thing that one of the motivational interviewing books that I was reading there was a great sort of quote on it or concept which is you you know far more about fitness and exercise science than the client does <laughs> but they are the experts on them True. you don't yeah. know them you don't know and, and quite frankly there's a lot of they you know it's described as even their own self knowledge is like mm -hmm. an iceberg they're mm -hmm. they're only aware of the top end of their own feelings and and biases and and what they're you know uh what motivates them so that there's even a whole lot that that they don't know about themselves but they mm -hmm. they sure know a lot more about themselves than we do so mm -hmm. they are the experts on them we are the experts right. on exercise and it's how we integrate those two things and that's that take being able to take leads from the clients true true very very nice advice i mean i think a lot of trainers need to implement this in their training and you know there's there needs to be a constant relation with the client constant looking back and yeah. feedback and a uh, lot of lot of questioning and that and so we're going through this pandemic and a lot of trainers have stopped training their regular clients because they just can't uh talk to them regarding virtual training or they can't convince them so uh, you have any ideas or suggestions as to how we can convince our clients to train online you know it there will always be people who won't want to do it online that's just you know that's just not their thing they won't they want to don't want to do it but mm -hmm. you know to have the conversation with your clients about what they've accomplished to date and i'm, I'm i've always been of the mindset that it's okay that you don't want to work with me you know mm -hmm. if if you don't want to come uh, do the virtual thing that's fine but you mm -hmm. need to not lose what you've got so let's at least go through a a program and create a program that you can stick to and i can just check check in with you once in a while see how you're doing you know just mm -hmm. to keep them going so you know with that idea of explaining to them the clients you know you've gained so much and it is a reversible thing you mm -hmm. will start to lose you know what's going on again that post i made just recently going are you going to sit back and wait till the whole thing's over or are yeah. you going to do something you know mm -hmm. some people going it's it won't take long it'll be over and going well no it's not over and may not be over for a long time so what's the plan and if that plan is is i'm going to get some workouts in at home by myself uh, super again not selling something that they don't need if they got a plan and and they're or or they maybe they just going to i have the equipment at home i'm just going to do the same program we've been working on mm -hmm. fine doesn't need to be okay. virtual training mm -hmm. uh but for most people they're going to you know they still need that appointment you know they still need that motivation you know to mm -hmm. to be there with somebody uh and then the second part of this is besides the fact of making them aware that you know you shouldn't be losing the what you've got so far you've done so well uh it's also that some people are intimidated by intimidated by the technology of it all and don't know if you're zoom i don't know what what platform india uses as much but right now the us is using zoom uh yeah. as a is a uh conferencing platform and anyway so to create a tutorial for them about how to use zoom uh and walk them through i i you know one of the things i was just recommending at the conference was that uh 
you give a setup session. You know, this is a session, no charge. What we'll do is we'll go through, we'll see the equipment, you know, work with the equipment you have. You can explain that to me. And I will walk you through how to do the whole Zoom thing, but I'll also talk to you about your space, how much space you need. You know, we'll make an exercise program that fits your space. What equipment do you have? We'll create a program with the equipment you have. If you, you know, if you don't want to buy equipment, that's fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be using laundry jugs as weights you know, or, or gallons of something, you know, so we can always find something to do or it's body weight or it's, you know, something else, but the, you know, having that setup session makes them feel more comfortable. It's not a charge. And that, that means that there's a lower barrier to try it. Mm -hmm. You know, after that whole setup session, if they feel comfortable, they'll probably go, okay, I think I'm ready for this. Mm -hmm. uh, the, without that, Going, then there's the anxiety of, I don't know if what's going to happen when I get on. And I just, you know, I, I, I don't know how this whole thing works. And, you know, a lot of them will just go, I, no, I can't deal with it. Mm. Uh, I actually, it's funny. I just had somebody say, say that, I, you know, I can't deal with the whole technology thing. And go, look, I'll walk you through it. No, no problem. But that there is anxiety with that. And that's just one more blockade of getting them to train online. Mm. So creating a, creating the, or, discussing the importance of not stopping one way or the other, whether you're training with me or not, you know, and even if they couch it that way, it's good. You're going, it, it doesn't matter that you're training with me. I want to make sure you're doing what you need to do to maintain or even get better. Uh, and then going through and making it as easy as possible for them to do the online stuff, you know, creating that tutorial, creating or having that, that setup session where you mm -hmm. can make, you know, go, okay, I get it. Not going to be so bad. I can do this. And a lot of our clients, you know, have come back and said, uh, it's, it's really this, it's just like the same thing. You know, you can't touch me, you know, from the distance, but you know, and part of that is we, we need to get better verbal cueing since we can't touch them, you know, and get better, you know, with all that. But the, you know, I was, I was recommending of course to charge the same amount because it's the same service, different venue. So our, our, our training rates are the same rates as our in-person rates around, you know, virtual versus in, in, because mm -hmm. uh, it's the same service, but you know, you do need to make them feel comfortable on the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so, so those are the, the two big things is really the importance of, and the comfort with the technology. Awesome. And that, that's, that's really good advice because I'm sure a lot of trainers today who are watching will uh, apply it and uh, maybe convince their clients or at least walk them through the process. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, Mark. The the conversation is going really well, but I'm I've lost track of time. So, has it been like forty forty five minutes or? Uh, it was uh, fifty two minutes. Fifty two. Okay, it's gonna cut it off. Cut cut us off in eight minutes. It's only one hour limit. So right. my question is uh, is grooming important for personal trainers? Uh, do they need to good or you know like uh, have a good haircut or maybe. Uh, well, I, I had not had the opportunity to have my good haircut late, <laughs> lately. Uh, so, that, you know, a little less of that. Uh, yeah. So, but in, in general, yes. You know, your, everything you do is a reflection on your brand. Now, it really depends on what that brand is, what you're trying to get across, what your clientele would consider professional. Mm -hmm. Now I've, I've seen people wear bandanas, wear, you know, 
uh, you know, uh, t-shirts, raggy t-shirts or, or tank tops and whatever. If their clientele are the, is the clientele that, that goes for that, fine. You know, you can do that. My personal belief in that is, is that you want to look as professional as possible. You, you know, yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm growing my, my COVID beard here. Um, but even, even in doing that, I've shaved up here. I've shaved down below because right. I don't want to, you know, I'm making a concerted effort. This is something I'm growing. It's not something, something that just overtook me. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it keep it neat and clean. The, uh, you know, I believe in uniforms. I, you know, I believe that, you know, uh, we should, we should look the part, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to be thin and muscular. Um, mm. It means you need, you need to be an active person. Mm. You need to, you know, live in healthful ways. You can't, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're doing Facebook uh, food shots and it's, it's of, you know, grease, grease meals, you know, this big and, and washing it down with a keg of beer. And uh, that's, that is not setting yourself up to look like you walk the walk. So I think you need to look like you walk the walk in all that. Uh, I do believe, yes, you, I think you need to look professional to the market that you're serving. Okay. Again, again, that may be a, a different look for a different market. You know, if you're serving a market, you, if you, uh, I have friends who, who work with a lot of uh, rock bands. You know, they, they train celebrities and, and do that. And for them to, you know, have, you know, have face tattoos and, and uh, a billion piercings and, you know, wear the bandana or a hat backwards or whatever that might be works with their clientele. You know, mm. so you, it has to fit your market. I guess mm. that's probably what I'm going to end that, you know. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I see a lot of trainers here who are not as professionally dressed and they themselves do not work out regularly and they are sleep deprived because of overworking. Mm. And, you know, yeah, at the end, I mean, their clients are like, you know, why am I even listening to this person? Because he himself doesn't right. want to talk. So, so I think that's just a good piece of advice. So, yeah. Um, so uh, those were all the questions I had for you. And uh, thank you so much for being here, sharing your knowledge. That was my sure. pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, have you addressed any Indian population before or is this the first time? First time. Yeah. So before so you... Was, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Please go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for letting me speak to this population. You know, it's great to, to be able to speak to yeah, people we, in a different country. We, we need good educators like you who, can, who have actually, you know, done their research and have been in the industry for a long time and now you're here uh, advising us and where can we find our your book well it, it's it was published through human kinetics uh, okay. and i i don't know they do have different addresses like it's uh, i actually i think it's human kinetics uh, .us for the us and i don't know what they whether they have a, a different address but it's human kinetics publishing uh, okay. They are they are the publishers, but honestly, you know, it's also on Amazon. Okay, on Amazon India, it's not uh, yet uh, released. I just checked. I think okay. day before yesterday. 
but I think soon it'll be out. So I'm looking forward to that book and I'll be buying it and I'll send you a picture of it as well. No, that, that's great. Thank you. For sure. And uh, thank you so much and stay safe during this time. And I hope to talk to you soon and uh, have you soon again to address yeah. us again. Thank you, Devansh. My pleasure. Yes, you okay. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we have our next speaker on uh, Saturday, which is Dr. Bill Campbell. And he'll be talking about uh, nutrition and fat loss. And he's, and he's worth listening to. He's a great speaker. Yes, yes. I've been following his research and it's just uh, really great. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. So thank you so much, Mark. And you have a good day. You too. Stay safe. Yes. Bye. Bye.